Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. You're listening to a new Delta X podcast with Ellen Shu. These are conversations with changemakers, innovators, and self-starters who have made their mark on the world at a young age. Breaking down the journeys of those who are changing the status quo and building the future today. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Welcome back to Delta X Podcast. I'm your host, Ellen Shu, and today we'll be talking about VR and some education as well. I have with me today, Nicholas Barone, and he is the founder of Universe, creating the next reality for online learning using VR. And so what that means is bringing in like in-person learning environment online with live 3D instruction, demonstrations, assessment, and socializing. I'm sure all of my other fellow students can uh, resonate with this in like the COVID-19 setting, how important online education is and um, how much like technologies like VR might be even coming into some of our daily educational experiences. Um, and so they've taught over 10,000 students and are currently the third largest VR events producer. Um, so welcome, Nicholas. Really happy to have you here. Yeah, so excited to be on. Um, and so first off, I read that when you were growing up, um, you thought you might be like a professional tennis player. And I always am interested in hearing about like these different getting into tech stories since um, there's still not a lot of like CS classes and like exposure in high school and especially in middle school. Uh, I know I personally didn't have like a CS class in my middle school. So how did you actually get into the technology side of things? Yeah, so I was in high school. I went, I, I'm from Miami Beach, so, you know, I'm from a nice area. Um, it's a good high school. You know, I think it was a B high school at the time I went there mm-hmm. uh, at Miami Beach Junior High School. And I, you know, I thought, okay, I'm going to involve myself in STEM because that seems like it's a lot of opportunities. You know, as a kid, not knowing much, you see like, you know, uh, like a company like Microsoft with like Bill Gates and, and Mark Zuckerberg with Facebook. Okay. That's kind of like, you know, the top in terms of getting achievements. Uh-huh. So, uh, that was initially math. Um, and in my school and probably like, especially in Florida, uh, they didn't have any computer science classes, uh, at any level. The only, the closest thing they had was off Microsoft offers proficiency. Uh, so, uh, I couldn't do any of that. So I, at my senior summer, after I graduated, I decided to take a computer science class called CS 50. Uh, which I'm sure a lot of you guys know of. It's like kind of the biggest free online course. And although the lectures were amazing, um, it was really cool to get exposed to it. After like the first two weeks, I couldn't get past the next assignment. Um, so I would spend hours just like watching lecture videos, looking through discussion forums. Uh, and I thought I just wasn't smart enough or it wasn't for me. I hated it. Um, so I went to Cornell as an applied math major. Uh, but when I took my first CS course there, Python, I was constantly like working with friends, going to office hours, it was like a completely different experience than like watching videos and going on discussion forums. So for me, the goal with what I'm doing now is, as you said before, is trying to bring that same environment you get in like a classroom that you really don't get anything close to um, with an online course. Uh, so the way Universe looks like, uh, describing it through audio, uh, would be basically each student is represented as a 3D avatar. Uh, and we meet in a three-dimensional space that emulates like a, what a classroom environment is, where we have like stands and then we have a stage with the teacher there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, so they get into there, we have live classes once a week. Uh, and then during those live classes, what we'll do is we'll have um, experiences and demonstrations to teach them and assess them on what they've learned. Uh, so we have, for example, for the instructor, they have two ways of communicating. One is by being an avatar and communicating, you know, like an avatar does. And we also recently developed a way where they could basically, we have like a full body uh, projection of their real life selves, kind of like what you would envision like a hologram looks like. 
Um, and then they can communicate with their full body as like a real person in a three-dimensional space. And then we have experiences, 3D experiences that synchronize with their teachings uh, to visualize uh, their demonstrations. So similar to like how you've seen probably uh, teachers like science teachers especially have like visual demos. I'm sure you guys know like the one with the, yeah. the big ball where he throws it and it doesn't hit his chin. Um, that kind of <laughs> similar concept of like teaching and having 3D demonstrations to illustrate the concepts they go over um, is, is what we hope to achieve. Got it. Yeah. Um, and how, how has the journey been like, you know, from when you first started Universe? I know you mentioned it was kind of inspired from uh, like the online courses you took. Um, how, like how, what gave you the idea to actually turn this into like a company? Um, and how has like the last, I think you've been working on it for three years now, right? Um, how has that journey been like in general? Yeah. So I, so I started the company, um, I mean, really, really just wanting to get experience with entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. Um, I was a, a sophomore in college when I started it and I knew the traditional path was to go to get like a software engineering job and to kind of rise, but I wanted to see, I knew I eventually I wanted to start my own company. So I really just started it as an experiment to see what is it like to actually be an entrepreneur and do something just purely in, as a learning uh, experience. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, the thing I was always passionate about was just access to education. And as someone that didn't know much about almost anything about virtual reality, I thought, oh, just bring a, a classroom in 3D and the best way to do that's in VR. So I started off with that, like kind of very general, no reasoning behind idea. Um, and it's been a, a very, very long process to get where we are now. Um, and yeah, it, to see it finally realized this was something really cool. Um, but there's definitely been a lot of ups and downs uh, through it. I, I think the only reason I stick with it, um, it's a lot about, you know, I, I say wanting to be validated, like, uh -huh. as you go deeper and deeper into it, you really want to see it come through. So that's why I don't, I think I didn't stop doing it as just an experiment and kind of made it my full-time, um, my full-time employment, like my full-time job. Oh, great. So is that what you're working on now? Like full-time now that you're graduated from college? Yeah. So I actually, so I was, um, in my sophomore year, I, uh, was working on the company and then in that summer I did life-changing lab summer incubator at Cornell. Uh, and then, my junior year, I did the first semester, uh, and then I took two-year leave of absence uh, to work oh. on the company full-time. So I did work on it for two years full-time. Um, and then I came back this May uh, for one semester to finish my degree. So I, I graduated in six semesters in three years, so that also was the reason why I felt comfortable taking a longer period of time to go and work full-time on the company. Oh, I see. So you were, you like took a gap year to work on uh, like the, the company as well, and, and now you're going full-time like back into it. Yeah, back into it. Yeah, got it. Yeah, that's awesome. And I know you mentioned uh, you didn't have like that much experience like VR. I mean, that you had like a CS background. Um, right. So yeah, I don't. I have very little understanding of VR, but I do know there's like a lot of objects involved, a lot of like interactions, and you know, bring a whole classroom online. Um, it's obviously not an easy task. So how are you able to like learn all of that and um, like get the technical aspect of your of your company up and running? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and I think at the beginning, as a computer science student, uh, the first the first intuition I had was to build a VR app to host that and kind of build everything, our entire tech stack from the ground up. Uh, and so we did that for the first, we did that through the incubator. And for a few months after, we tried to build the VR app uh, ourselves with our own team. And that was much more slow moving um, because there was a lot of different issues we had to solve. Uh, so eventually I tested out another platform called Allspace VR, which you can kind of think of as a like Zoom for VR meetings. Mm -hmm. um, and we started doing Allspace. Uh, we got quite a bit of popularity there. That's where we're the, the third largest channel 
and they're kind of the, the biggest uh, events producer or VR events producer in the world. Uh, so we started getting a lot of success there. And basically, uh, I saw it would be a lot faster in terms of growth to go into Altspace VR and then build off this kind of base platform, which is just for meetings, and then build uh, tools and experiences specific to education. So like an, uh, an assessment system, uh, the experiences needed for the demonstrations. Um, so yeah, we've been building on top of Altspace VR ever since. I see. That's really cool. And is it um, all like software based or uh, does it also need like some hardware components? Like I know a lot of people, when you think of VR, we think of like those like VR, like glass or goggles yeah. and like the remotes as well. Um, so is that like also part of like universe or is it uh, mainly just like the software portion? Yeah, good question. So yeah, for us, it's, it's purely the software portion. Um, mm -hmm. So this, the people that come into our classes, so not everyone will have headsets. Uh, right now, our distribution of users is 40% are joining uh, on in VR, 40% are joining on our YouTube live stream, and then 20% oh. are joining on our uh, PC or Mac to, uh, clients. Mm -hmm. uh, so so yeah, it's a distribution um, of, of people that join, um, and that's just to give it, make it more accessible to, to people. Yeah, I was going to actually ask about accessibility too. Um, is VR something that's like currently accessible and like how can we also move forward as like a society to help make VR more accessible? Um, so I know even with like technology, um, there's like a big gap in that. Um, and yeah, like I think if, if you're talking about like education um, and like having, having classes move online, accessibility is like a big part of the equation as well. Yeah. Now in terms of VR accessibility, so you know, VR is still, I would say, a small market. Um, mm -hmm. I would say it's most comparable to like the console market with like, you know, a PlayStation or Xbox, uh, probably similar to like the, the Switch product. Um, mm -hmm. So in terms of sales numbers, we kind of got a, an estimate of what um, the Oculus Quest 2, which is like by far the most popular headset on the market is uh -huh. uh, when Oculus had to do a recall for their headset. So I, we, we estimate right now, since like about a year after its release, it has 4 million units out there, um, which is... You know, it's not a small amount number, but it's definitely not uh, mainstream yet. Um, but the rate of growth for VR is is pretty high right now. So with the Quest Two, uh, in just one and actually six months, it outsold all previous uh, Oculus headsets combined. Um, so that was a, a big milestone for for taking VR to the mainstream. And then mm -hmm. Facebook has really been pushing uh, a ton of funding um, and a lot of, uh, of innovation in the field. Yeah, uh, I'm definitely seeing there's like a lot more talk about VR too, especially with like companies like Facebook who are like talking about, uh, or spending a lot of time and like money also on VR. And um, yeah, I think it's really great to be able to provide this alternative or like more interactive experience, especially since like with more things moving online now. Um, so I guess moving into a broader point of view, I um, would love to hear about like, what do you think the future of like online or even maybe like in-person education will look like? Yeah. So I, I definitely think that like, so us, we're pretty far, far in terms of like where, if, when this reaches, like I'm not expecting this to be like mm -hmm. super mainstream, like in-person and all education will definitely still be the dominant way people learn for probably like, you know, five to 10 years, probably 10 years. Um, but what definitely is a new trend that's coming up, which we're also in is the uh, rise of cohort-based learning, uh, online learning. So there's a lot of new programs uh, that are doing cohort learning. Uh, and seeing a lot of fantastic results. Um, one of the biggest examples is uh, the company OutSchool, uh, which I've recently got like, I think over a billion dollar valuation. And they're basically doing live online courses for K through 12. And they've seen like a huge success, uh, and a huge rate of growth uh, by doing these classes uh, through Zoom, which is like a video conferencing service. I mean, yeah, you guys know what Zoom is. Um, so 
yeah, cohort-based learning, which is what we do as well, um, is uh, is definitely going to be uh, a huge proponent for online learning. Um, and that's something really exciting to see. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's a really great move too, especially because, you know, like having having smaller like cohorts and having more like personalized learning is also something that's easier to take on online than like in person as well. Um, but with VR, like, do you think it's going to be something that can help even like connect the online and in-person learning experience? Um, or will it like be scaling mainly online uh, for like the near future? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, my thought process is that it would first uh, target those online users. Um, and it would probably take some market share from both because you might have people that now are on the fence about going to online uh, in person, uh, like, you know, going to um, like some sort of boot camp or um, some sort of university or something like that, and being able mm -hmm. to take VR classes. But um, yeah, so I think it would take market share uh, from both. Um, but yeah, it's hard to say. I, like VR education is, is a very, very new space. Um, but something that, that is becoming more predominant that you guys also might have heard of is this, like the term of uh, the metaverse. Like there is a lot of companies that are moving into this space. Uh, companies that are like kind of the stepping stone for get to VR. Like I know... Mm -hmm. I think it's called gather.io uh, is one of the big ones that recently got somewhere between like you know, 20 to $30 million in funding. Uh, and they grew, I mean, the pandemic definitely accelerated a lot of this growth, mm -hmm. but basically they're, they're creating a, a 3d uh, space, but it's through like a very, like a pixel 2d uh, environment where you control everything with your uh, keyboard oh. uh, and mouse. So that would probably be the stepping stone. And it's, it's cool to see like basically uh, not VR, but like smaller moves to get to kind of an eventual, what I think is going to be like a, uh, a three-dimensional uh, universe that people are going to live in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like, even like talking about the metaverse, do you think this is something that's not going to be like limited to like education or what are some other areas yeah. do you think like we're going to start seeing more VR in our lives? Yeah. I mean, the metaverse is like, I think it's hundred percent coming. Like you have a lot of big companies um, pitching their bets on it. Like I, probably the most famous example is Roblox which oh, I think yeah. we got like a 40 to $50 billion IPO. Uh, and their whole pitch was around this metaverse concept mm. of kind of being that this place where, um, you know, it's not only going to be for games, it's going to be for people to hang out uh, and just kind of live their digital lives, which it, it's been coming for a long time. Even in the 2000s, there's places like Second Life, uh, mm -hmm. which is like a very primitive version, but was also very popular. Uh, and now you see companies, obviously Facebook's doing this. Uh, Fortnite is also using this concept. Uh, and then a lot of VR startups like, VR chat um, and rec room. These are like, rec room just got a billion dollar valuation. VR chat is probably close to that. And it's crazy. Like, especially VR chat, everything you think that you saw in like player ready player one, where people are able to like, live digital lives is uh -huh. legit reality in VR chat. Like I, I play VR chat all the time. It's like, you have a completely different life in there. It's really cool. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it, I, it's really funny too. Like with Roblox, I was reading that, you know, there's been like concerts that have more like, in vr than in yeah. person and there's like i think it's like a gucci bag that sold like the virtual version in vr sold for more than the actual like physical gucci bag which i thought was just really funny um but yeah for listeners who like may, may not have heard of the metaverse before like all these like uh like moves towards the metaverse how would you explain it or how would you kind of describe it in simple terms interesting yeah so I would just describe it as like a digital uh, representation of like a new reality, but it's a mm -hmm. digital life. So just like you would do stuff in real life, like you could go visit a different new location. You can make friends with other people in that location. 
Um, you could experience things like a concert or a play like games, like, you know, play as like a sport, uh, mm-hmm. but in a digital sense. So you're represented as a 3D avatar. And that is basically your, uh, your viewpoint uh, for navigating like a kind of a, a new reality. It doesn't have to be through VR, like, you know, 3D, many verses are already a, a big thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm sure many people are thinking uh, like about some of the, some of the possible like implications of this, right? Like right. what are the main benefits of like the metaverse and also some ways that it might be, you know, like inferior to like traditional settings? Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, the main benefits to the metaverse is um, definitely like the connection. Um, mm-hmm. So if we're just speaking in strictly 3D sense, um, you have like compared to like, you know, doing a, a voice call like what we're doing now um, sure. through Zoom, um, it's, it is a three-dimensional interaction. So basically, even if you're on the computer, you could still move throughout the location. Uh, you can go and do activities with that person. Like it could mm-hmm. be playing a, a game like, you know, Roblox, Minecraft. You know, these are all games, which is kind of just one component of the metaverse. But you could see how that creates like kind of, uh, you kind of get lost and you feel like that your avatar you're controlling is a representation of you and that you're actually hanging out with these people. And mm-hmm. that's why I think like VR is such a good, succession to that because what vr does it just makes it that much more immersive like you could you forget that you're not in that actual location you're not feeling those things so um the metaverse is coming um and it's, it's available now uh, but it, i don't think it's going to like actually have the implications of, of people getting lost in it until it becomes uh, vr and i think the thing that's holding vr back is literally just the technology um so making it cheaper uh, getting the processing needed to run kind of the higher end applications. And for me, I think that when it's a technology problem, it, it's usually one that's going to be solved in the future. Um, I think bigger issues if it's, if it's not like a, a problem that's actually solving anything. So that's why I'm excited about it. Yeah, that's really great. And I know you mentioned like some next moves for VR is like, you know, making it faster, making it like better, uh, more similar to, you know, all of this, like uh, all of the really high input that we get from a traditional environment. Um, but yeah, what is the next move, do you think, for like VR? What are some yeah. like, things you'll start to be seeing? Yeah, no, definitely. And, and just address some drawbacks. I know I've said a lot oh, of positive mm-hmm. things about VR. Um, so one of the big things I'd say, and you know, Facebook's dealing with this now, um, is that uh, especially it, it's, there's a learning curve of VR. Like if you're a first-time user, yeah. it's a very high likelihood you're going to feel nauseous after an hour. Um, and that's something that only goes away with time. Uh, so, you know, I, when I was a first time user, I got nauseous all the time. Um, what helped was that as the quality of headsets got better, so like the resolution of the headsets improved drastically, um, the uh, frame rate of the headsets improved drastically from like 60 to now even 120, or, or sorry, the refresh rate from 60 to 120 uh, Hertz. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, as that get better, it, it lessens that like kind of nausea you get. So um, that I think is a big inhibitor for first time people. Um, and also I think eventually as the metaverse becomes more prevalent, um, Mm. you're going to have some pushback because, you know, people are going to be spending a lot of time already digitally and not in real life. And that's not what humans like, you know, through, through nature were meant to experience and, uh, you know, live. Like I spend eight to 10 hours a day indoors. Most of the time, a lot of time just staring at a screen digitally, my eyesight I'm sure is affected. Like I have glasses (laughs) now. Uh, so there has to be some sort of balancing act where you're not losing out like the kind of health uh, that you need as a, as a real life person. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I totally relate with the eyesight one too. I also, my eyesight, like ever since I uh, started like spending my time digitally has also deteriorated. And yeah, exactly. I think there's like so many 
things that like, like you mentioned with having a good balance of, you know, uh, like, like getting up, exercising, and also like not losing that, those aspects of life as well. Um, but yeah, I think we have time for maybe one last question. And so I know we talked a lot about uh, like your work with VR and how you got into technology and education, as well as, you know, the general trends that we might be seeing with like VR even coming into our own lives, not just with education, but even with like the metaverse and our entire like digital lives um, being transformed by VR. Um, but for someone who, you know, has maybe just even heard of VR for the first time or just heard of the metaverse, how would you recommend like getting into VR being a part of this, you know, transformation? Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. So for someone just getting into VR, what would I recommend? I would first say a lot of the, the applications that VR has, especially the cooler ones mm -hmm. uh, like VR chat, like rec room have um, PC, PlayStation, Mac clients. So uh -huh. you can kind of get a gist of what they look like beforehand and then try them out. If you feel confident, then maybe invest in a headset. Definitely the quest Two. Uh, it's $299 um, and it's by far the best headset in the market. Facebook is like heavily subsidizing that cost and taking a loss on it. So um, I would recommend seeing what's out there, seeing what's possible by trying them out on the device you already have. Mm -hmm. And then if you like what's going on, if you like the concept of like having a metaverse and being able to interact with all these different environments and people, then investing in a headset, uh, seeing if that's something for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And even for you personally, when you were learning about VR and how to create like uh, universe, what are some like resources that you found helpful or how, how did you actually go about learning it? Yeah. Oh, so, <laughs> so, uh, I learned a lot of it. Um, mm -hmm. I did YouTube videos a lot. I would say, I mean, mm -hmm. YouTube is probably the thing I spend the most time on. So like what basically for me, and this is, this is counterintuitive because I, I advocate a lot of cohort based learning, uh -huh. uh, but I think especially at the beginning stages, uh, when you're learning something, having a community is really important. And I, I found that through like a discord I was a part of, mm -hmm. um, especially like reaching out to friends when I had problems, um, in the community, all space I was in. Um, but I think it's less important as you become proficient. So I was already a programmer. I knew a lot of stuff. So I was able to troubleshoot. Um, mm -hmm. but as a beginner, um, it becomes important. I would say YouTube is probably the biggest resource that I use uh, for finding a lot of information and becoming like a VR developer and learning how to do all this stuff. Um, yeah. And obviously my friends and family just to like give me feedback uh, and keep me motivated. I, I think mental health is a huge part of, of being a good founder. So going in there with a support network already there and making sure you don't work all the time in your company because burnout is huge. So you have to make sure you stop yourself and don't overdo it. Yeah, that's great. And I was just thinking too, like even YouTube is also playing around with that like VR feature. I accidentally clicked into it the other day and I was like, ooh, this is pretty, pretty fun. And you can like watch TED Talks in VR now. So maybe like by the time some listeners are trying it out, you can, they can learn VR through VR. And I know that's also part of what Universe <laughs> is trying to you know, bring to the table as well, um, which is really awesome just having that immersive learning experience. Um, but also like on the founding side, I know you mentioned that as well. Um, what are some tips you have for some people who might want to become future founders or some like challenges you've faced and how you were able to overcome them? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I definitely think it depends on the personality type. My personality type is like, I think I'm a pretty introverted person. So for me, I, I don't do great when I'm surrounded by like a lot of people and kind of like a lot of meetings and doing a uh -huh. lot of stuff. I'm kind of the person who likes to like kind of put the head down and, and kind of be on their own and just work on something. So for me, that's where I found like the most joy and kind of confidence in myself. Um, so that's something I reckon, like it depends on your personality type. Sometimes, you know, it could be a little bit much to be around a lot of people and, you know, you feel a bit down if you're not progressing the same rate. 
uh, mm-hmm. which, which, would, but, um, so that's something important. Another thing that I think is important, um, that I have that I'm doing now is like having a co-founder, having someone that you could like bounce off ideas. So I was a solo founder, uh, for a while, for like the first, uh, two and a half to three years of my company. Oh, and I wow. would spend a lot of time, like when I needed to bounce off ideas, it would be like a friend or family I would talk to, which is awesome because they're supporting me. But now I'm bringing on a co-founder. Um, and I've seen a lot, uh, a lot better productivity from that. There's someone that can kind of bounce ideas off of, can work at the same rate that I can and, and helps move the company a lot faster. So finding a friend, trust is probably the biggest thing for mm. me when I look for a co-founder, um, not really accolades or something. So it's having, having experience with someone beforehand, uh, making sure that you like them, uh, and work well with them for me is more important than whether the, how good the resume is basically. Yeah, I got it. Definitely. Like uh, having a co-founder is really important. And like you mentioned with having like a community feeling like you're supported, um, and just being able to, exactly. yeah. yeah. Um, but I think we're approaching the end of the podcast, but thanks so much, Nicholas, for coming on. This is a lot of fun. Just, I, I learned a lot about VR and, you know, what we might be even seeing VR in areas with education and which I'm sure all students are currently a part of my school just went back in person. So it's been a bit interesting, but we've all definitely experienced the online ex- like learning and how much of a challenge that can be. Um, and also with, you know, the metaverse and all of the exciting things we might be seeing uh, with making a more ver- immersive digital environment as well. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm always, it, it gets me happy to kind of talk about these things because I'm always, I'm always, this is, this is kind of my life. So it's <laughs> cool to, to see you, see you guys interested. And, um, it's awesome to see you. Yeah, I love it. I can tell how like excited you are about it, which is really, really cool. Um, and you're making <laughs> me excited and all the listeners excited about this too. Um, but yeah, for all the listeners, hopefully you enjoyed this podcast, learned more, some more about VR and, you know, and all the cool things that Nicholas is working on. Um, and I'll link below some resources um, in the show notes, as well as a newsletter that you can subscribe to to get these in your email every two weeks. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. And we'll see you guys in the next one. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Delta X Podcast with Ellen Shu. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share ITSPMagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.